yeah, basically, I was like, Game a year ago or, or more, I was like, I have an angle on Mass Effect. Here it is. And everyone's like, yeah, it's good, but who cares about Mass Effect? And I was like, fair. And then I heard the re-release was coming, and I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do that. We're going to argue that the ending to three was perfect. Uh, yeah, because it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the the images of Ta- of Tali, uh, you, you changed them to like a dead or alive beach volleyball version of her, right? Yeah, that's my my two. My angle is twofold. One, the ending is great. Here's why, which is most of the video, uh, because that's true and interesting. And then about two minutes at the end where it's like the only way to actually play the canon version of the game is to get the dead or alive beach volleyball tally outfit. You didn't romance her right unless she shows you that picture. Anyone else? Yeah. You yeah. got played. Yeah, exactly. That's the only that's the canon. That's the canon ending is uh, you you synthesize the universe. And then tally is like, here's what I look like in a bikini spiking a volleyball uh, on the beach. Yeah. And I, yeah, sometimes it sounds like we're saying tally. Like from South Park. Yeah. Well, you know, those two, they're very similar characters. Man, Tally should have been romanceable in South, in the South Park games. Were there romances in the South Park games? God, no. Mm. Big, big RPG failure on their part. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, they, you know, they just weren't, they weren't so tapped into like the Bioware trends. Which I think that they benefit from in a lot of ways, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to... Mass Effect seems like something I'll play like five months from now and enjoy it a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's both for work and because like what maybe my favorite game series, I just like immediately started playing it. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, did you, did, did you, did you see this? Uh, we'll talk about Mass Effect, but did you see this Biden driving the truck clip? I saw a bunch of stills from it compared to like Trump driving a truck and everyone being like, now this is how you drive a truck. So basically a video just dropped and we'll play it right now. Okay, cool. Quick. How does it, How's it drive? Enough to break the sound barrier. Try back in time. Well, never released the president. Mr. President, how fast were you going? Mr. President, how fast were you going? It's fucking hitting 69, baby. Cruise control. Okay, ready? Mr. President, can I ask you a quick question on Israel before you drive? No, you can't. Unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay, here we go. Did you Ready? hear the second part? He says, not unless you get in front of the car and I step on Ready? it. <laughs> Wait, he said, and I step on it or before I step on it? <laughs> he, no, he said, get in front of the car and I'll run you over. That's what he said. Joseph. All right. <laughs> well, I'll driver ever, President right? Joe. No, you can't. <laughs> not unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. <laughs> I, I heard a verbatim of holy escort. I'm only teasing. What a bunch of fucking babies. Well, the president's driving a truck. <laughs> Look at him drive the truck. Listen, listen, Jack. I'll run you over, Jack. <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing. Unreal. I, it's listen. Biden is just doing his normal car talk, but the way they're eating it up, like children at a Sunday ice cream parlor. Right. Like 
the real takeaway here is that there's a human rights catastrophe happening. And someone wanted to ask the president a question. He said no. And then Joe ran him over the car. But what this is going to be presented as, like, in the discourse is, like, Joe Biden goofing around, driving a truck. And it's like, <laughs> that's so fucking backwards. Yeah, exactly. we should be driving the truck. And instead, we're spending the rest of this episode fielding questions about Israel-Palestine. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to our mailbag episode about... Uh, <laughs> About Israel Palestine. Yo, let's open up the mail. Taking listener questions about the, the issues in Sheikh Jarrah. Oh, um, this one comes from 420 Hamas. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. Uh, no, we're not. We're not going to talk about any of that uh, because uh, you know our handlers would prefer us not to. Um, uh, the, but the short version is like free Palestine. Uh, no, no oh, yeah. human being is illegal. Every human being has rights. Don't bomb children. Don't blow up media buildings. Um, but we're not going to get super deep in it. But like, donate to a charity. Help refugees and shit. Uh, but this is like a we, we there's so many better places to listen to analysis on this than me and Griffin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like uh, like ever, like your favorite Twitter anime avatar. Check out them. Um, so uh, guys, Speaking welcome to Game Boys. Twenty Hamas. <laughs> welcome to Game Boys. I'm uh, I'm Griffin. Uh, I'm Lux. And of course, we're always joined by producer extraordinaire Haley. Drop on, it on the ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're back with another uh, solo episode, but I think on the solo episodes, we've really been digging something up. We've sort of been unearthing a lot of uh, a lot of spiritual truths, a lot of universal truths on these solo episodes. Um, so I've been enjoying them, Lux, and I'm yeah. happy. And I'm excited to do another one. It's been a fun role. I love having guests. I love mixing up the dynamic, but it is always just fun to like just sit down and goof off. Also, I think sometimes, not always, sometimes guests are like. Now, we were just talking about Mario, and then for a second we talked about race cars, and now we're talking about the Holocaust? What's going on here? And it's a little bit easier to, like, there's no risk of accidentally losing someone as we jump from topic to topic like a pair of ADD kind of dumbos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can, exactly. So it's a little uh, bit oh, safer oh, oh, in that I, respect. I thought you were blaming the guest on bringing up the Holocaust, no, but no, me, it's us. Me, specifically. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no sort of risk of us accidentally doing that. Um, no risk of killing anyone's vibe for the day, yeah. um, except for our listeners right here, all you guys. So uh, pack in. We have an exciting episode. We want to talk about a few things. Uh, Lux, which one should we start with? Because we got about two or three we things have, to talk about here. We have three things. Two of them are kind of connected. I say we start with the show and then we talk about video games. Okay. And then before I say any of that, yo, in two hours, I'm playing the Burning Crusade classic, baby. Let's go. Wow. Another period of exceptional <laughs> mental health and time management coming for our friend Griffin. Oh, baby. You guys remember last year and a half ago when I started uh, WoW Classic, 175 hours later, I'd hit level cap. Uh, we're about to do it all again. Uh, the servers are going to crash. I'm not even going to play that much tonight, but I'm just going to experience uh, a chaotic, chaotic realm where I get nothing done. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for like your tier of like, wow, freaks, which is not like peak tier of wow, freaks, but it's like definitely in the upper 50 percent that like the first night release server crashed psycho time is like that's kind of like part of it. It's like Disneyland. It's it's incredible. It's like you never see that many people load in at once. Um, 
And there is something wild about that. Yeah. Uh, I don't, there, there's something hilarious about it. And also in a sense that like for two decades, this has been happening and they've never fixed it. It's just a peak like <laughs> corporate capitalism game marketing. It's like there, there is tech. We're going to go to Mars soon. There is technology to like run an online server farm and invest in it. But Blizzard just never has. Uh, and I think they should keep it that way. Uh, I think it'd be weird if the servers were stable. Yeah. I mean, I think it's there's there's a certain way. And I think this is definitely a good example of it, of that, like, there is an appeal increasingly, I think, of like jankiness in technology these days that so much stuff is like Apple, Microsoft, mega streamlined on your phone. My phone connects to my TV and I can adjust the volume from my room while my girlfriend's playing Mass Effect or something. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a million ways that those things exist. And I think getting the sort of weird old school jankiness of an overloaded server or whatever um, back into it the It wouldn't mix. be classic without it. Yeah. yeah it it wouldn't just, be. And it, it, there's something nice about sort of like, like I've been playing a lot of, I mean, I'm always playing, but I've been playing even more than usual, like weird 16 bit generative games on my computer. And there's something really nice about just like, Oh, this is shitty. <laughs> Like yeah. it's not, it wasn't like, uh, like focus group to death and it wasn't like maximally optimized to like synthesize the various APIs or whatever. It's just like, this is what right. it is. And there's something kind of freeing right. about that. Yeah. Yeah. When we said no changes, we meant it blizzard. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, you know, uh, putting us through this hell once again, I'm excited. Um, just had to say that at the top, get that off the record that that's all we'll be talking about next week. Um, so you guys can all skip that episode coming up next week. Um, but we've got a show that we wanted to just talk about for a little bit. It's a show that I just finished called Invincible. Um, and uh, Lux has seen it too. We're about to talk about it. Now, if you haven't heard of this show, it's very interesting for newcomers because it's a superhero animated show on Amazon, but it's advertised kind of like that, like, old Seth Meyers superhero show and like the advertising really does not give you a good understanding of what the show is going to be like but it almost seems like for the show's hook to work it's pretty hard to explain the show yeah okay so first off big time spoiler warning um, okay, should we do a spoiler? We're getting getting filthy with the spoilers Uh, Yeah, we have to there's no way there's no way to show literally and you, you're right, Lux, because literally what happened was, you know, when I finish a show, then I go and I watch the YouTubes and all the analysis. But all of the analysis for all the major videos is spoiler free. So it's them talking about nothing for 10 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how can you analyze this show and have it be spoiler free? It's right. like, you're like, oh, I guess it was violent and the colors were cool. I like the art. Like, it's like you can't get dig in at all. Right. And that actually gets to, like, why I think the advertising was the way it was, because there's two things about the show that that advertising gets across or like that are important about that advertising. One is it really sells the thing that is the reason I watched the show in the first place, which is that it looks a lot like 90s animated superhero stuff. It looks it a looks lot like a di- it looks like a mixture of Batman animated series and uh, Batman be for uh, forever beyond Batman, Batman beyond, beyond yeah. which was like the the one in the future in terms of like the jawlines of the characters and like yeah, yeah. and the movement is kind of a X Men animated series. There's like a lot of those totally. like 90s cartoon styles in it, um, all like updated and streamlined and like digitized or whatever. But like that's all in there, and I think a big part of the advertising was like showing that off that like that's what we're doing. The other reason yeah. the advertising is so different from the actual show is that at the end of episode one, which we'll get to in a second, there is just like an outrageous earthquake of a plot twist. And that if the advertising 
sort of hinted at any of the fallout from that, it would it would take away what was like one of my favorite TV watching experiences in like Moments. a pretty long time. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So to sort of to explain what what we're talking about here, this story um, is about um, this uh, kid who uh, I forget his name. What the Mark fuck is his Grayson. Name? I, Mark Grayson, who uh, his voice by Stephen Yoon. He um, is the it's a world where people there's a lot of superheroes, a lot of supervillains. Um, and he is a young kid whose father is Omni-Man, which is sort of the Superman of this universe. Um, basically, what, one thing I love about the show is that basically every hero is just kind of like an alternate of like oh. a hero that you know, but they're like written so well, it doesn't matter. It is unapologetically doing the Justice League. Like it is, it is, yeah, it is, it is no bones about it. It's like we got Nightwing, who's Batman. We got Warrior right. Woman, who's Wonder Woman. We got the Immortal, who's like a Superman Wolverine crossover. We've got there, like there's a, entire Justice League and yeah. lower tiers of people too. Yeah, and but like and then you've got Aquarion, who's Aquaman, but he's a fish. Yeah. You've got the shape shifting Martian, who's basically really, like you have. All of the the justly characters, and they don't really try and hide that at all. Um, mm -hmm. which, yeah, but but they but they're they're earnest with them still, and I think that's why it works as yeah. opposed to feeling like a carbon copy ripoff. Um, and but the story kind of revolves around um, this the son of Superman who doesn't have his powers yet and feels like he'll never live up to his dad and whatever, and like he's like nervous and he wants to get his powers, and then he starts to get his powers. Um, and then at the end of this pilot, after he's had all of these. It's been like, you know, 45 minutes of pretty much just like good interactions, just like soulful. Like it felt like just like a family cartoon. And I was like, where well, I was like, what is this show about? Like, what is the show really about? And then uh, the Justice League, they all meet and they all are called to meet up and they get there and they realize that it's a trap and Omni-Man shows up. And slaughters them. Right. So there's two things about this that were so good. One is throughout watching the first episode, I kept being like, "There, why is there a Justice League? And like Superman is in parallel. Like, how are they going to make this the world? Like, this doesn't make yes. any, how are they going to balance this out? And then the answer is Superman kills the Justice League. And the second thing about this is that it is fucking brutal and the show to this point has been not not brutal there's like some lighthearted like punching monsters like crime fighting -y stuff yeah. but like this is like he rips off a dude's head he punches yes. through a dude's stomach he rips out intestines like he karate chops a man in half he literally puts his fist through a woman's face and out the other end yeah like it is so insanely insanely gruesome and shocking and like one of the tightest and most like visually exciting sequences of action I've seen in a really, really long time. Yeah. It's really well composed. There's a really great bit of it where like they're fighting him, but they're all in shock in a way that kind of mirrors where the audience is at. Yeah. Like there's never like a moment that you get in a lot of stories where it's like, Oh, guess this is the thing we're dealing with now. Like to the second they die, they're all still surprised. Um, and it's really fun as the audience to be like, me too. What's like, mm -hmm. I was like, I couldn't stop laughing. Like I rewound it. I was yeah. just like fucking rocked. It was so good. And then from there, the show 
is unrelenting. Yeah, is pretty much. It's like, really it's good. Like it, that, that's the hook of it. It's like yeah. it, once you're there, it's like, oh, this is what this story is about. It is about what if the Superman that came to Earth was bad right essentially well, and then it, like was a bad father and it's tracing this like pair this weird parallel um that's really fun and really interesting which is like there's like three sort of ver yeah it's a triple parallel there's like three sort of versions of omni-man that exist in the world right there's the omni-man that we know who killed the guardians of the globe who just rocked their shit forever there's like the public omni-man who is superman everyone loves him and then there's omni-man who's mark's dad which is like this fun older jk simmons you know having a good time uh very horny um very horny for his earth wife like mm -hmm. plays baseball with his son type guy. He's and right. He's a red blooded American. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's really interesting. A lot of a lot of the show, not all of it, but like a lot of the show, especially a lot of the show at its best is sort of playing those versions of him against each other or like putting us in situations that like really reinforce one idea of the character. And then 10 minutes later in the episode, another version of the character pops up and we're like, oh, right. That's how he works. And I think J.K. Simmons also. I'm not in love with all the voice acting in the show. I think I'm a big fan of more voice actors, fewer big names, but I think J.K. Simmons is great. <laughs> I think J.K. Simmons is exactly like, like J.K. Simmons and also Sandra Oh as the mother yes. are what ground the show into some of these incredibly like human moments that really, really drive the show and are the core of, of, of this thing. And I think if it had been lesser performances and, and lesser written, I think the whole thing would have fallen apart. Yeah, totally. Um, I just think that it, in, yeah. in a lot of cases, it's like tr I prefer trained voice actors, like regular actors who are doing voice acting. But I, yes. I think J.K. Simmons... <laughs> One example of that uh, is Jason Manzukas is terrible as uh, what's his face, the as sort of Rex dick douchebag as Rex, because it just the voice just doesn't match the character model. Like like a lot of voices match their character models, but like this Rex guy like is like a young guy, probably late twenties, early thirties, really attractive, and it just sounds like Jason Manzukas is normal, just trashy now in his fifties kind of character, and it just it really took. <laughs> Me yeah, out it does for it's, a character that I otherwise enjoy. Yeah, and it's for it's it's tough because if if you're not looking at the character model and you're just listening to it and the things he's saying, the way we're supposed to feel about the character, I think the voice really works for that. Like it does really sell. Like this is this like arrogant, gross weirdo. But, but he sounds so much older, though. right? But he it doesn't. Just, he, he doesn't look like a hunky twenty something. Yeah, it's uh, like it just it doesn't it just doesn't fit for that character. Yeah, and there's um, there's other examples like that, but I do think you're right. Sandra O oh and J.K. Simmons both fucking absolutely, and might I add, Walton Goggins, absolutely right. bring the thunder voice acting wise. Like I said, I generally don't like that shit, but in this show, it really works um, for the most part. Yeah. So basically, over fine. the course of these like eight episodes, it's this sort of very sort of tense, sort of tightrope walk of people starting to discover including his own family that that like the super that hit the superman dad is fucking evil is fucking psycho um and uh you know it, it has a lot to do like i i was a little hesitant at first because literally amazon just put out the boys which is also about bad superman um but it, it it's focused on different things it's this this show is focused a lot more on 
on family, I feel like, and, and, and on like fatherhood than it is focused on um, like what Superman means to everyone, which is, I think, what The Boys is about a little bit more. Right. Well, the way I've been talking about the distinction, uh, what we've been talking about this at work is like The Boys and Watchmen are very much about like what what would a society with big superheroes look like? And what does that tell us about the society that we live in now? Right. Like how would our world change to reflect that? And what things about it would be consistent in a way that talks to us about the world we live in things about like capitalism and uh, cultural psycho- sociopathy, stuff like that. Um, but invincible is much more concerned with what if superheroes were real, what would it be like to be a superhero? Like it's much more mm-hmm. concerned with the inter- interiority of the superheroes rather than like the role they play or what they tell us about the world at large. Um, and I think that's really totally. interesting. And part of what makes the show so fun is that there is this like you want like Mark is going through stuff and like, like there's we'll get to it in a little bit. There's a stretch where the show kind of is not as strong with Mark, but there is a really great thing of like him trying to balance being a teenage boy, meeting girls, going to school, being a superhero, applying to college. And like that does feel real. The way they do it in the show is less than stellar, I think. But I, and yeah, and then so I think what I'm guessing you're hinting at is the 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 sort of will Mark tell his girlfriend that he has powers arc, which is so just beaten to death and so tired and just like dragged out on in this show that otherwise feels very fresh. I was very frustrated that like his whole deal and conflict for a lot of it was just like, ah, oh, man, I keep lying to my girlfriend. It's that, but it's also that in order to give that stakes, they kind of depowered Mark in a big way that in the first couple episodes, he's like he calls himself invincible because he does like insane shit and doesn't get hurt. And in those episodes where like he's struggling with his girlfriend, he also like gets beat up by some robots and shit. And if he had been full power, able to deal with all this stuff or the things were bigger in scale, the internal conflict might have made a little bit more sense or played a lot more, a little more interesting to me. But just like, oh, I'm sorry, I was gone for two weeks. I had to make up excuse because I was in the hospital is like, like I don't. Yeah, I mean, to me, the 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 show is kind of like ironically called in the in the in the graphic novel. It's all a little bit ironic with the invincible thing because you know he called himself invincible as sort of you know to compensate right to to live up to an image that he's not right um, and but- because because and so like it, I I think it what I think it's interesting to see people just because they have powers and just because yeah like it would take a lot to kill them that they can still get fucked up right well that's why the sequence with like battle beast where mark goes to like fight this criminal and the criminal has like a bunch of really cool evil friends one of whom is like a space lion with a mace who's just like unkillable and insane um like that's why incredible that's why that shit works because it kind of puts mark on like a tiers list where it's like yes there's bigger shit but like that's why and that's an anime thing too like like you need those guys that are just like holy fuck this guy came out of nowhere and his power level is insane and like the action just explains that to you and then like, he like just really dips. simply and he's just like yeah this is boring i'm out of here his line is literally like there's no honor in killing weaklings <laughs> yeah and then he walks through his magical door and goes back to outer space um but like it's it the that part's great it's the part the particularly it's the stuff where he's a college fighting the robots that feels like 
this should be very easy for him. And the fact that it's not like maybe the, a show that was like had a little more time would have tried to tie that to his like emotional shit or whatever. But it doesn't really read that way and it just doesn't play. And so you have these episodes that happen in a row where the two things that are happening with Mark are he's getting beat up by shit. The show has taught you that he should probably be able to beat. And he's whining about why he keeps lying to his girlfriend. And it's like, mm-hmm. if those are the two things your superhero is doing, I'm not having fun watching your superhero. Um, yeah. And the show, despite the fact that it's like brutal and pretty smart and emotionally weighty at times, is like it's fun. It's a fun show. It's a show that is designed to be fun. It's bright colors. It's cool. Really great animation, action stuff. It's a fun show. And when you have this like one plot that is your a plot and it's just like snoozer, um, that really hurts it. But that luckily only lasts for a couple of episodes and there's a slight middle dip. Yeah. And luckily it has some of my favorite B plot shit at the same time where, uh, this character robot, uh, yeah. decides to finally it, it is revealing. I love the blue boys. I love the blue boys. Yeah, the Mahler twins are great. There's I've been reading the comics for work too. There's a great bit with them in the comics where at one point they get caught in a bomb and one dies and one survives. But it's like his face all fucked up. So he clones himself yeah. again. And then it's him and the other one who's a clone, but they can tell he who's knows. The, right. Yeah. And so the other one just kills him and it's like, look, this doesn't work. If we know which one is the clone, like we can't function <laughs> if we know who's a clone and who's not. So the clone just kills the original and then clones himself and is like, who's the clone? No one knows. Oh, um, they're, they're such a f- like awesome. And like, there are so many anime is tropes in the yeah. show, but they're such a fun pair those blue boys because they are established as like act one villains and then just like bumbling sort of like side guys that can work for the good guys and can work for the bad guys and like they just operate on their own and and that's such an enjoyable like and like like pair to have in the world yeah and they're in that sweet like like crazy quilt batman villain territory of like they're threatening enough that you could imagine them causing a big problem, but silly enough that it's like totally fine if they just get like housed. If um, they, if yeah, if they get away, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, and if they get beat the fuck up, it's not like it cheapens them in a huge way. And if they do something really cool, it's like, well, I mean, they are super genius, giant blue muscle guys. Like, sure, they're goofsters. I love them. Yeah, um, but the but, re- yeah. the reason they come up is that so robot is a character. We're not going to like explain everything that's happening in the show, but like robot is a character mm-hmm. who's a robot who's in charge of the people who replace the guardians. And it's revealed eventually that he's not actually a robot, but a nasty looking guy in a tube. Mm-hmm. He's he, Mr. House. Yeah. And he gets the the Mauler brothers, the blue guys, to clone him into a new body based on the Jason Manzoukas character who he clones. Um, mm-hmm. And that whole arc is really great to me because it's like at first you think that like robots doing an evil scheme with these bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then it's like something else is going on. He's cloning Rex. What could he be doing? And then the reveal is like this much more sentimental thing where it's like he has a crush on Monster Girl and that like motivates him to embody himself in a real way and get out of his tube. And Mm -hmm. it's really compelling. And I think I honestly think that if that arc hadn't been kind of in parallel to the more boring Mark stretch, I would have just bailed on the show because like I that really like elevated those episodes because it was like, okay, there's this Mark shit. But like, I'm still very curious about Omni-Man and like. This shit with robot is very, very compelling to me. Um, it did a good I, job I think, of like pump faking without another, giving anything away. One, one thing I will defend about the middle chunk with the with the with the college robots is that 
they sort of sold the the college robots later when they're in the final episode and unleashed again. Like they're like, okay, like these guys are powerful. And like this scientist apparently is smart enough and evil enough to like have to be hired by the government or whatever. Yeah. Um, like like they did a little bit of that earning, but I'd say outside of that, one thing that kept me through the the middle was just like this sort of simple human like uh like a gay relationship that was going on between uh like his best friend and this college guy that i felt like was just like really simple and like really lived in and like really well performed and so like in those college episodes i was like i don't give a fuck about this repetitive will he tell his girlfriend he's spider-man like store like arc like but like I, I was curious to see like where this like uh gay relationship was going and 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 sort of that that, that kind of kept me around for a little bit longer but i do tend to agree with you yeah i mean and another thing with the amber stuff and like it's just like it feels like uh and i've read a bunch of the books i'm not gonna like get super into i'm not gonna spoil from the books or anything like that but like yeah amber doesn't got spoiled on youtube amber doesn't feel like a a mondo like it, i don't and the show could be very different the show has already made some like pretty substantial departures in the book yeah. in terms of things so who knows but like Amber never really felt like, oh, this is the endgame romance for Mark. Obviously, Adam Eve is in the show. There's obviously like other characters who are going to probably pop up throughout. So like, yes, it never felt like I mean, it did a good job of making it feel like Mark thinks it is. Um, but you're right. But it does feel like season one girlfriend. Yeah, she's very season one girlfriend, and I, which kind of sucks because I actually thought the character was pretty well written and pretty well performed and, and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do. A, oh, my God. So Amber in the books is just like we should we should probably move on. <laughs> yeah. OK, so, yeah. La- so with the last thing I want to talk about is just the last episode really quick, because that's, that's what I'm saying. We're already at 30 minutes. We have to talk about this last episode, yeah. which is one of the most like it has some of the most jaw dropping moments in, in, I've ever think seen Mark, in a show. Think. Incredible. Um, the memes. Think Mark. The memes think. of Think Mark Think are yeah. unreal. Which which unfortunately actually isn't what he says in the show, but it's one of those rare times where the meme rewords the quote and to make it better. Yeah. It's what does he say in the show? He says a he says a longer sentence that isn't as good. Oh, I believe uh, that. Um, and but but like when you see the meme and the words, your brain is just like, that's what he said. Yeah, totally. So the last episode, just um, to set this up before yeah. you get into it, is like the end of the second last episode is Mark sees his Omni-Man on a rampage and Omni-Man kills the immortal um, who is one of the like who's come back to life because he can't die because he's immortal. And fucking Omni-Man puts his fist to the immortal stomach and kills him brutal style. Mark sees this, yeah, freaks out. I, I, everyone's basically figured it out. It, it, and Mark's almost there. Yeah. Omni-Man's freaking out. People are watching this on the news. And then Mark sees this, loses it. And then he has to fight his dad and just has fucking, it is a baby versus a dinosaur. It is. It is nuts to see. It is. He's just getting tossed around. gets brutalized. His There's it, a it, shot that. So I, one thing with me is like, I'm rarely ever, I'm like, wow, I've never seen that before with like action and cartoon stuff because I spend until, uh, until you saw the subway. Scene. Yeah. I like, I spend so much of my time watching specifically action cartoons or like weird yeah. cartoon stuff. And this, there's a shot where Omni-Man just holds Mark in his hand in front of a train and the stre- Omni-Man's like super strength means that like they just don't move and the train goes over them and they just go through the passengers and there's people All getting the split in half. Blood is flying everywhere. It is, it is so insane. brutal. It, it is, is one of the most brutal things I've ever, ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And it is 
so impressively done. It's so cool. It is. It is. It, 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 it's all. It's, it's like it's so rare to have a moment of true horror in that way like that. And like like where you are a gape. Like, you know, we see a lot of fucked up shit on our screens these days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but just to like be a gape at the horror of what is occurring. It, it, I'm, it, I mean, I've been taking the subway to work and it's just been sitting with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's so crazy. It's, I just like fucking, I lost it. I thought that was so fucking cool. And like, it, yeah. And, and basically what is well, Omni-Man's point is like, he's like, I need to show you that we're different, that these are just ants, that you will live for thousands of years and that these creatures mean nothing to you because you're Viltrumite like me. And he's like, listen, like I'll show you how little humans mean. Yeah. And then he like uh, and, does and, in such a brutal cool way yeah and it's like I, again i think i think so far the show is in a lot better job of getting some of this stuff across than the book did like the book is good but there is no image in the book that gets anywhere close to the train shit they wait the show made up the train I, i'm 99 sure the show made up the train um that is wild because that is like one of the most striking moments I've yeah ever it's seen. so good um, but but like you know there's a train moment and this entire episode is unlike anything I've seen before because it's one character being beaten up for like 40 minutes and then just cutting like, to people reacting to it. Yeah. And everyone feels helpless yeah. to like to this, what's happening. Like there's no one that will stop this. Like nothing can stop this. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the just brutalest things I've ever seen in animation, just the whole entire episode. Um, and then, you know, Mark, fights back the only way he can with a moment of empathy and love uh, as he's like smeared across the mountain. Yeah. As it's he's just- like falling out while he talks and shit. And then like, and his dad fucking has like a conflict of a crisis of conscience and leaves, but it's like, and like goes where, who knows all this stuff, but it, I mean, it, he's going to get the rest of the Viltrumites. They're fucked. Um, yeah. Well, who, who knows? Um, yeah. But Cause, cause you know, he does leave, which is like him breaking the rules. Oh no. Yeah. He's in trouble. Certainly. He's definitely not in great standing with them, but let's be clear. More Viltrumite will be headed to earth. Yeah. I mean, I think probably that is the case. Um, it also very, it does give a pretty cool explanation for why Superman's bad in the show, which is basically this idea that what we're originally told is that the Viltrumites, a super advanced, basically Krypton species, sends people to Earth and they like or sends people to planets and sort of goes there to like protect them and be cool and like yeah. guide them into like a better future or whatever. Um, and then when he reveals that it's actually a super violent uh, society that sends these people out to destroy uh, other societies conquer. and like it's conquer a, it's a colonial empire. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like stays there for a while, like soften them up for like the real Viltrumites to show up and they conquer. And so what we realize and kind of put together is that like, Oh, the reason he kills the guardians when he does is because Mark gets his powers. He's like, Oh, now I have Viltrumite too, who I can train to be my sidekick buddy. And so now it's time to like take out the other things that matter so that we can conquer this planet. Uh, and then a big conflict that he's dealing with that we don't really get access to, but like colors are the show retrospectively is that like his son doesn't want that. Right. And he kind of mm. in his heart knows his son doesn't want that. That's the, that's the ultimate conflict too. He knows his son isn't like him. Yeah. Well, cause, because his son, well, and this is like what makes it really spicy that his son is like him in terms of he's like the him that he became or projected or performed as like a pretend human, Earth. right? Yeah. Like he is the guy who Omni-Man pretended to be, 
but that's not the guy Omni-Man was, or is it? Who knows? Well, there's a whole bunch of story that happens. Um, but yeah, I thought I was, I really loved it. I really loved that. It was such a throwback to 90s style fucking all the yeah. shows I grew up watching. I yeah. love that it was that, but with like fucking Takashi Miike, fucking Paul Verhoeven levels of blood. Um, yeah. We didn't even and, talk and about the, ending, it, ending it with the Seth Rogen alien one last time. Yeah. There's this great like, alien. We haven't even talked about. We didn't talk about Walton Goggins really at all. Or like there's so, yeah. there's so much good shit it, in the show. It's, it's yeah. awesome. And I, yeah, all the characters are great because again, like they are alternates of characters we know, but they're given obstacles, conflicts and like, and like empathy. And so it doesn't matter. It's like, there's literally like a Hellboy, And I love that character. I love yeah. this like janky, like, like, you know, uh, poor man's Hellboy they have Man, in the show. I'll tell you this. That's one of my favorite changes in the book is that in the book, that dude is a nothing character. Oh, in the wow. book, that, that dude like is at the Guardian's funeral and he's like, oh, man. And then like shows up the crime scene. And everyone's like, we got it covered. And he's like, OK. And then he just goes away. And like that's him <laughs> in the book. And in the show, like he's the linchpin of like the mom figuring out what's going on. And he's like the first person yeah. to suspect Omni-Man. And like he mm-hmm. plays a huge role in the show. And he's really fun and really cool. Da- uh, Damien Darkblood, the spooky detective. But like Damien Darkblood, a <laughs> uh, great name. But it it doesn't it's way 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 different than it is in the books i thought that was a great change but yeah we should we should get to the other stuff we we're gonna talk about but yeah man, we should that move on show there's gonna, it got greenlit for season two and season three but i'm like it's so circulating in my brain now that i might start reading it too yeah it's good i mean um, I'll, I'll tell you this i'm up to issue like 60 something and it's uh-huh. really fucking good man it's really fun and and, and, I, and I will say once again YouTube thumbnails go fuck yourselves because they've already spoiled something insane that happens. Oh, once later we stop recording, show, I know what that is. That I will tell you. And it was, I was like, this person should go to jail. <laughs> like, like for making this thumbnail. Yeah, that's crazy. It's <laughs> also um, just like, man, it's so much better than The Walking Dead. I can't believe it's the same guy who made The Walking Dead. I know, right? Yeah, it, it, it's like, hey, everyone needs their Walking Dead so that they can eventually yeah, run. The Walking Dead, um, a comic I did not like. Invincible, I really like. Yeah. Uh, so there are two games that we've been playing in tandem that we're going to be pitching to each other. My mouth is a little thirsty, so I'm gonna let Lux go first with Mass Effect. Okay. Um, the game that I've been playing, as I mentioned before, is Mass Effect. I'm gonna explain to Griffin why you gotta get your hands on this dang dirty remaster. Um, yeah. first thing is first. Uh, it looks great. <laughs> Uh, what are we doing? Um, what are we looking at? And give me the specs. Um, I mean, it's a 4K remaster. I think it's definitely uh, 1080 high res. You get so much more detail in the characters. Your uh, PS5. Your uh, PS5. I don't know. I've it on the 4K. PS5, but it's on the PS4 too. Okay. Um, it's it looks awesome. It's like it's just you're in this sci-fi world, and in like 2011 on Xbox 360 graphics, that was cool for the time. But like revisiting yeah. it now. Looks kind of the janky. Doesn't is look probably as, incredible looking. Yeah, like that exactly. main city. Looking out the windows. Um, yeah. There was a spot where I was just driving on Earth's moon and you can see Earth in the distance and it just like looks fucking awesome. Um, also, like there's little mo- there's little motions and like the bad guys, like when you're fighting and stuff that are a lot more clear, like the Geth's head movements or like the Batarians with their four blinking eyes and stuff like mm. all those little details are all clear. It's really fun that way. Um, 4k can like, yeah, it's like, it sounds stupid, but like it can be a reason to check out a game again. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it just makes it feel a lot more in there. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing, another, another top level thing about this that I really love is I was torn on this at the start, but I'm liking it now is that they changed the leveling system. So it's not one to 60, it's one to 30. 
which means you can level a lot faster. Um, Mm -hmm. which at first I was like, well, this is gonna make the game too easy. But like the games were never about being super hard anyways. And what it enables you to do is mix and match your team a lot more, a lot earlier because that's cool. In the game originally, it was like, well, you kind of had to bring Tali or Caden with you or whoever you spec for electronics because you had to open shit up. So you had to have an electronics decryption person. But by the time you're like 10, 15 hours in, you could have like three people reach that level where they can open anything. And then it's like, okay, you can bring whoever you want. Um, And that's That's really that's really fun. And it like just opens up a lot of options. Um, I think there should always be party shared xp and like in the in games where they want you to rotate yeah like and they uh, have that which is great mm-hmm. um, um the car the mako which is like a fucking nightmare to drive in the original is like i mean i'm not the best judge of this because i suck at driving cars in any video game but it's <laughs> way better in my opinion um i get stuck so much less i crash so much less frequently i feel like that car it varies based on which game you're playing too yeah so the first, it was particularly janky in Mass Effect One, and so yeah. it's it's which is the one I'm still on. I'm like almost at the end of it right now, um, and it's so it's like so much more fun to drive. Um, and like to me, one of the reasons, like like to play, a, I can see a big reason to want to play the Mass Effect One re- remastered because you know that game didn't look as good as it could have back in the day. Mm-hmm. But I thought Mass Effect Three looked pretty good, and like you know the the visual differences are just going to be too slight for me between like playing Mass Effect Three in 1080 and in 4K. Um, like. I, is there a reason to play the next two again other than just being solid games? So I haven't played them yet, but I think so for two reasons. One is the leveling thing I already mentioned. It just means you're going to get a lot yeah. more time with all your friends, do whatever you want. And two mm. is there's various DLC and addendums and little tweaks to things that are, are fun and uh, packaged in and, yeah. and like added in and messed with. Uh, they fixed some things. They notably didn't fix a bug I didn't even know about. But apparently you can just max out your renegade and paragon points in like the first mission of Mass Effect one by just having the same <laughs> conversation with the same guy over and over again. Um, that's so funny. But I didn't know about that. But apparently like that's still in the game, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, it's I think what it does really well. The one thing that I wish they had done. So here's one of my regrets. I wish they had just like redone the voice acting for particularly wow. the for male which shepherd one? which one oh just for shepherd i mean i would have done read on a lot of stuff but uh, the male shepherd's like top because the female shepherd kills it oh um, yes she's been great forever like, the male shepherd mm-hmm. still bad um yeah i didn't realize the female shepherd was based until mass effect 3 so i would played the dude for the first two and then i switched to female and i was like oh this is way better yeah, that actress is fun <laughs> her actor is phenomenal Oh, yeah. and the dude is kind of sucks. There's that. It is definitely um, not. It, 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 it's a remaster or re-release. So there's not like a ton of new content. There's a little bit. But the one thing I'd say, I mean, th- this is definitely true, is that the horror elements of Mass Effect, of which there are several, which is really fun. One of my favorite things about the game design in the first place, that there's like little horror segments, are really heightened by the better graphical stuff. Like the Thorian husks look a lot scarier. Thresher maws look a lot more threatening, stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that makes it really fucking fun. Uh, I'll say one of the reasons to maybe who cares about it is like because there's not a ton of new content. The best argument for playing it is that like you almost certainly have forgotten how much fun and immersive and compelling the story is. Um, But that is 
something that's true no matter when you play it. You know what I mean? Like I, I also like always have liked the combat. Like yeah. I really, really liked the abilities and like the stuff you can do in combat. I thought it was always pretty solid. Yeah. The first one was, I think they cleaned it up in the first one a little bit. I'm having a little bit less jank factor, which is nice. Um, yeah, the first one was janky, but like I remember liking that part yeah. too, and I remember liking the Mass Effect Three story. I don't know why everyone was so upset yeah, by it. People hit hit the ending. I think it's perfect. Um, there will be a wisecrack video about that in a couple of weeks. Everyone can watch it. Okay, um, cool. All right, yeah. So no spoilers on that. But um, yeah, I, but yeah, like I'm loving it. It's, I think it's worth it. it seems, it's also like you're. It paying, seems like something when I have a gap. Like when I have a big gap between stuff, it seems like the perfect like yeah. fill in. But like right now, when I have like a bunch of other stuff going on, I'm like, yeah, like I'm not rushing to this one. Yeah, that's but fair. I'm, it's cool that it exists, and it's also going to probably drop in price. Now, now, Griffin, yes, it certainly is. But before you do your pitch, um, we have a quick message from our sponsor. Okay, cool. Um, and it goes a little something like this: You ever ride on a road bike at lunch? You ever mountain bike on the weekend? Have you ever yeah, taken a seven-month-old baby on three-mile runs at an eight-mile-per-minute pace in the evening like a real champion? How much is he paying you? Now, what or who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking Lux about gets our, all the ad money. No, actually, Haley does. <laughs> I'm talking about our good friend Rowdy Burns, aka Ryan, and his Strava profile. And if you don't know, now you do. With Strava, is a social media app that logs runs and bike rides, and Rowdy wants you to know about his because man oh man can that boy sounds run. stupid strava it sounds dumb so if you want to know how rowdy is doing what kind of sports he's up to how he's being an athlete one more time that's at strava.com slash athletes slash 219 12420 again that's strava.com slash athletes slash 219 12420 give him a follow now give him some likes don't delay it's our friend Rowdy Burns. He's on Strava. He's doing sports. He's carrying a baby. You got to check him out. And if anyone wants to pay me to say anything on the show, that's also super arrangeable. kind of sucks that everyone's just going to Lux to get their shit on the show. Again, uh, I'll reiterate, paid Haley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I won't pay Haley. I'm taking the right, money. That's why everyone goes to me. Like that's <laughs> You just solved your own mystery. Um. But yeah, uh, now that we've gotten that in, shouts out to the homie Rowdy. Um, Griffin, why should I stop playing Mass Effect and start playing whatever bullshit you want to talk about? <laughs> um, wow. Uh, because, you know, Mass Effect, oftentimes we think of Mass Effect, we think of its cinematic moments, its cinematic choices, its 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 big characters and storytelling. Um, well, uh, if you really were a cinema enjoyer you would play the new james cameron role play game i'm talking about subnautica uh where you basically just play as james cameron ocean explorer um, okay <laughs> it is really fucking cool um I, I, basically there's a game called subnautica it, it's a survival game but it's all underwater in, on an alien planet and so it's all sea monsters and like adorable alien fish that are really cute. Cool. Um, this game came out in 2013. People have loved it for a really long time, but they just came out with a new update. I think it's only like, I think it's $30 called below zero and it's set in the Arctic. Um, and it is really fucking cool, but it's a game that you need to start with a guide. 
because I got very triggered playing the beginning of this game because it's a survival game. Like you have to get like stuff to eat and 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 you have to build a shelter and the game just like does not help <laughs> that that much with like any of that stuff. And the game doesn't give you a map, which is Ooh. insane. <laughs> That's both. There is no map in this game and you do need to write stuff down on a piece of paper. Cool. That's interesting. Um, And at at first I was very, very triggered by that. I was like shouting at the top of my lungs, like how stupid, how bad this game was. But then I like came back to it day two. I looked up just like a little bit of guides on some like good things to get you started. I built my sea lab under the ocean with like glass windows to look out of. I built a a, a sea truck that I can drive around in and like hire oxygen tanks. And then I was like, I'm the king of this fucking ocean and I don't even need a map. In fact, I don't want one. I want to like bravely explore new areas. And like my mind is just remembering parts of the ocean now. so it's very triggering to start this game, but like once you get set up, it is fucking awesome. That sounds great. So I have a couple of questions. Uh, first off, how much like staying alive management is there and how difficult so is it you, to do? So you can play a mode where you don't have hunger and thirst, um, which is probably what I would suggest to noobs and stuff like that. And like people who like don't want like hardcore challenge or whatever. Um, I'm doing it because I'm streaming it and people like would they force me to do yeah, those no, things. Um, and like you eventually get to a place where you have like water filtration systems and like you can grow food and it becomes easier to just like sustain. everything just becomes insanely easier once you get a little more powerful. So it's one of those- but, like, Sort of those survival exploring games are like the first sort of there's like that hyperbolic curve of difficulty where like, yes, at first it's really hard. Then it gets really easy. Then you start. Then the game becomes about a different thing where it's not about surviving mm-hmm. anymore. It's about doing whatever other thing. It's not about surviving. It's about motherfucking thriving. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's about being the king of this ocean. But it's also like, yeah. And, and so it has a very, very steep curve at the beginning. But then once you just get some basics down, it's very, very fun to just build this lab. But, you know, right in the beginning, they just drop you in the water. You don't have anything. And you just got to start with nothing like in the water, just swimming around. Well, that sounds pretty um, fun. And, and, and the, the the it's gorgeous like it, it's on ps5 too so you could play it in 4k which would probably be really cool but like there you know there, it is in a lot of ways a horror game because you do go into parts of the ocean where there's like a massive sea monster that like just eats you fucks you up um and like there's a lot of audio stuff that's really scary where you hear them in the distance or they just surprise you or you have to go down a deep trench um oh, but the trench the ocean there's some trenches but then there's some parts of it that are just like a vibe it's like all these fish are so cute there's a penguin going by like it's and they're all aliens so they're all fucked up and weird looking um and so like the ocean has a lot of fun areas too okay so this sounds pretty nice but is there and i also say sorry go ahead is there like a fun how like how narrative driven is this game so that's the other really cool thing about the game is they the the plot of the game is you are they make you be a female cool which is uh you know maybe triggering for some gamers but uh i appreciated and loved it uh you me a woman respecter uh yeah me a woman me a woman player uh (laughs) me a female player um so you 
have a sister who was exploring for this company on the on this alien planet and like she was already doing research on the oceans there but then she disappeared you go down there to join the scientific mission but you crash land and you realize that most of the scientists are gone um and you start to pick up the pieces of the mystery at all these like abandoned like underwater bases that are scattered around and there's these voice logs a lot like your bioshocks or whatever um that 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 are from all the different scientists and the voice acting is like 10 out of 10 like it's super super good voice acting and you can just like put a voice log on and then just like drive through the ocean while you're listening to it and traveling. And it's just like, everything is like on on an audio level. It's just like working very, very high. You're just like, you hear the water rushing by, you hear this great voice actor talking about some weird science shit and you see a cool fish go by. Then you hear like a growl and you're like, Oh no, there's one of the big fish, you know? And it's just, it's like, you get sucked into it. You can really lose hours and hours into it. And it's not as brutal even though I said the first hours are hard, it's not like Rust or some of these other survival games where it really feels like you're fucking constantly doing homework. Everything in Subnautica, once you make the adventure to go out and get it, it like levels you up in a very satisfying way. That's and good. you just that feel was, stronger. That was my next question because that's one of my problems with your Rusts or games like that is yeah. that like you can get better at making certain things or getting the supplies for things, but it doesn't actually make you better in like a meaningful way. And so the curve to get those things remains equally difficult throughout. You just like know how to do it. Um, right. You just have to like, you still have to farm materials or whatever. Um, and you still have to farm materials in this game, but each one of them is to, is leading you to adding a permanent installment to your repertoire that just exists now doesn't have to be maintained. You know, like it, it's, it, so you feel like leveling up. Um, but yeah, it, it's fucking pretty fucking cool. Um, it's making me appreciate like just being like, like v- experiencing things visually as opposed to like staring at a map and like, just like artificially knowing that I have to go from like this icon on the map to this icon. Like, like it makes you like take a moment and like take it in, remember where that weird rock is or that, sh- where that ship is crashed. And, and I don't know, it's like a, it's a different vibe. Word, hell yeah. Um, that sounds good. I don't think I'm in a rush to get that, but only because I have Mass Effect and I love it. Come on, guys. You hear that? I I had a, I had a great pitch. A, I had him. A strong pitch. And it's like, I think, I I'll say him. this. Here's what I'll say about this game, is that if I beat Mass Effect before Biomutant comes out, I will not go back to Resident Evil and I will instead play Subnautica. I think that's there we go. I think that's what I can give you on this. That's um, a compromise I can I can believe. Yeah, because uh, obviously Biomutant has a priority because uh, I, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but if you give an animal a sword, I'm going to play the game. Um, yeah. that's just, that's I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Uh, so um, that's going to have priority, but. Uh, I'm extremely excited to to check out Subnautica. It sounds very, very cool. It's one cool. of the best survival games I've seen. Like, it's one of the best of the four. Of a genre I'm not thrilled with. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Is like, I want to like survival games a lot. And this one, between what you've said and what a couple other friends of mine have sort of talked to, I liked, I minimized contacts that I could be surprised by the news on the show. Everything I've heard about it is like, this is a survival game. Sort of in the way that Hades was the roguelike for everyone, that this is like the survival totally. game for everyone, that it like does the form so well and like in a way that's accessible that like anyone, even if it's not your bag, could like it. Um, yeah. And that's exciting to me because I fucking loved Hades. Um, 
So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm into it. I'm excited about it. Um, speaking about getting excited about stuff, Griff, what do you have to plug? <laughs> oh baby, um, guys, Twitch.tv slash Troom Room. Uh, we are sometime in the afternoon or night. The schedule's in flux the next two weeks, but we're around if you're around in the afternoons and evenings. And if you want me to, uh, if you want to watch some of the Burning Crusade classic, I 100% will be streaming that at Twitch.tv slash Troom Room. Uh, re-enter the dark portal. Hey, you got to go. Hey, entered it once. Do it again. Um, as <laughs> yeah, for me, you gotta do it again. <laughs> as for me, uh, check out the wisecrack videos. We got some really cool stuff in the pipeline, and uh, there is coming somewhat soon going to be another PWR guide. In this next one might be a very special episode. I'll keep y'all updated, but there might be some real cool stuff in the bag coming up. Um, also, as always, check out Haley on. Uh, Instagram and YouTube at Eat Every Sound and on the Memory Static podcast where she regularly shows up. Uh, and I think that's it for us this week, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Thanks to um, Rowdy for sponsoring the show. Yeah, thank you to Rowdy. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, later, everyone. Bye, free Palestine. Free Palestine.